I am like the roaring lion in the dream. My roaring will wake you up from this dream unto reality. This is The Lion's Roar, the DSI podcast all about understanding the teachings of Satya Sai Baba in their truest form. Sai Ram, folks. This is Sanjeevan. I've been in a garden state of mind, thanks to isolation and forced trips to bunnies. So today, we are going to talk about selecting the right seed. Even though it seems like it, this episode is not sponsored by Better Homes and Gardens. Let's get on with it before I dig myself in a hole. Episode 3. Filings, Fields and Fruitful Yields It only took Swami five simple words to shake the very foundation of how we live. You are not the body. In the last episode, we looked at this statement that challenges everything we think we know. It's like the tip of an iceberg. On the top, it's a simple sentence, and I get it. At face value, I understand what those words mean. But the implications run deep. The misconception that we are the body is one that we have held on to not just in this lifetime, but over several lifetimes. If addressing this feels impossible, don't worry. Swami lovingly assures us. All are destined to bloom. All have to fulfill that destiny. There is no need to despair. Realizing the self is our destiny. The switch will eventually flip. So let's keep calm and carry on. We are taking care of our Many people may argue, how can you call this physical body as This body is after all inert. You may get a doubt if it is really inert. How is it growing? The body is inert. Hold my prasadam. What just happened? Did Swami say the body is inanimate? But then, how did my body grow if it is inert? I'm clearly larger than my childhood photos posted on Facebook in all three dimensions. How do these eyes see? How do these hands move? How am I staring intently at my moving hands through my eyes? Hmm, I think we need to take this step by step. The first question, how does the body grow if it is inert? Swami says that when we sweep the house daily and go on dumping the sweepings in one place, it will grow into a big heap. Similarly, all that food we dump into our body multiple times a day makes the body grow. The important distinction here is that all the bodily functions, including eating, talking, walking, and growing are because of the chaitanya or consciousness within it. This leads us perfectly to the next point. The higher power or consciousness is what is animating this body. 
This reminds me of a story involving our old mate Arjuna. There's a poignant episode which Swami outlines in chapter 10 of the Bhagavata Vahini. The valorous Arjuna, usually impeccably attired, returned to the palace after months, disheveled and despondent. He was so depressed, he could do nothing but drop to his knees. His brothers were as confused as you probably are. Eventually, he let out his grief. We have Vasudeva no more. We are orphaned. This was how he broke the news that Lord Krishna had left his mortal body. In previous battles, Arjuna had single-handedly wreaked havoc on entire armies with the ferociousness and velocity of his archery. However, earlier he had been unable to even lift his bow in the middle of a battle and was reduced to a mere witness of the horror. Why was this battle different? Arjuna himself mused out loud. All my skills and attainments have departed with Lord Krishna. I am now without any powers, incapable of any achievement, weaker than the weakest, indeed lifeless. Such moments of agony are lessons in their own. Arjuna realized that Lord Krishna had always been the puppeteer that moved and made him act out his role. Whether it be victory or defeat, it was never his own mastery or lack of skills, but rather divine will. Swami gives us a powerful analogy of inert iron pieces moving in the presence of a magnet. The changes we see and associate with the physical world are orchestrated by a higher power. Arjuna realized his body was inert. He was just like an iron filing, moving because of the magnetic force that was Krishna. On to the next question. How do these eyes see? How do these hands move? Sensing our impending confusion, Swami spells out another elaborate example to drive the point home. The body can be compared to a car. Our eyes are like the headlights to see near and far. Our tongue is like the horn to alert those in our presence and often be a nuisance. Remember, this was 30 years ago. These days we have the Teslas of the world. So the underlying analogy is that our senses are nothing but the senses that machines take input from, which are all inherently inert. It is the energy in the car battery that animates all of it, much like the consciousness inside this body. Sure, cars have gotten so advanced that they have reverse cameras, lane assist, automatic wipers, and even self-drive. But it has always been and always will be the energy that animates the inanimate and makes it all happen. Swami says, any instrument should be maintained in a fit condition if it is to give satisfactory performance. We get our cars serviced often so that they are tuned up and work well. Likewise, the body, which is an instrument to perform righteous actions, should be kept in a suitable condition for that purpose. Keeping it in good condition sounds doable. But 
how do we use it to only perform righteous actions? Swami says that we can use a knife for cutting vegetables, fruit, etc., but not for cutting a piece of iron. Sharp point. But how do we differentiate the fruits from the iron and fruit ninja our way through life? For this, Swami's instruction is that we should always ask ourselves this question. I am the Brahman, dwelling in this body as the individual Atman. As such, is it proper for me to do this action or not? Let's break it down. I am the Brahman. Before our minds conjure up an image of the four-headed Lord Brahma sitting on a lotus, we should note that the word Swami refers to here is the basic building block of the projection that is the universe. Regardless of whether we understand the terms Brahman and Atman, the idea is that the minute we associate the I with something larger, something divine, we have to dissociate with the idea that we are this body-mind complex. Basically, another way to look at the initial statement, you are not the body. This disassociation would make the process of discrimination clearer and allow us to use the body in the right manner, as a mere instrument. We are the magnetic force, not the iron filings. We are the energy that drives the car, not the car itself. From this comes the question, is it proper for me to do this action or not? So far, we have established that the body is inert, that there is a consciousness which is animating this inanimate body, and that we must use the body for the purpose for which it has been given to us. So. What does using the body properly mean? How do we do this? Before we get there, we need to understand another key concept first. One of the names for the body is Kshetra, and one way to translate this would be a field where the fruits that are reaped are dependent on the seeds sown. In this field of the body, sowing good thoughts leads to merit and sowing bad thoughts leads to sin. Swami has his own definition of good and bad thoughts. We'll come to it in a later episode, but for now, let's take a field trip. There are some key differences and similarities between an agricultural field and the body. First of all, in an agricultural field, we have to wait for the right season and optimum conditions to sow a seed. In the field of our body though, we are sowing seeds all the time, day and night. Every thought or every seed is going to bear fruit, regardless of the season or the reason. It is inevitable. Every thought is creating a return of merit or sin. Secondly, in an agricultural field, the seeds may yield a good crop or a poor crop, or it may not yield a crop at all. But in the case of the body, Swami says that there is 100% return on the seeds we sow. In fact, he accentuates that the return will not even decrease by half a percent. This is an unchangeable law. This means that a good thought doesn't cancel out a bad thought. 
Think of a mixed bag of orange and mango seeds. When they are planted, they won't cancel each other out, will they? Lastly, isn't it interesting that Swami says it's the thought or intention that is the seed. The action is then dependent on this. The action is like the plant from which the fruit hangs. This is interesting because we are used to labeling certain acts as meritorious or sinful, whereas it is in fact the thought that is the catalyst or starting point. Now that we are back from our field trip, let's return to our question. How do we use the body properly? We've taken a brief look at the unchangeable law that governs this body or field. Knowing that we are going to reap what we sow, it follows that we should ensure that only seeds in the form of good thoughts are sown. So, how do we make sure we only sow good seeds? Valid question, but I will leave it as fruit for thought, or should I say seed for thought? Until next time, stay roarsome. Yeah.